Hi everyone and welcome to the Pam Podcast. I am James Prescott, your host. Welcome to the show. It's really great to have you all here today. Um, I'm delighted to host a new guest today who's got a really powerful story to share with us, um, really important story. Um, Deborah Bunt, welcome to the show. Thank you, James. It's really great to have you here. Um, Deborah is an author. She's written a lot of books. Um, she's also got a really, really powerful story, which I think, especially in today's atmosphere, is really important to hear. So we're going to hear that today. So, um, so Deborah, tell us a bit about yourself, like introduce yourself, and then and then we'll get into your story. Okay, I um, I'm an American. I grew up in the Deep South in Mississippi. And um, grew up, well, my sister once said, we grew up in Mayberry. Um, there, the TV show Andy Griffith was on when we were children, you know, just the, the um, country life where everybody's kind and everybody does the right thing. And, and it just all kind of flows and is wonderful. Well, what what we didn't realize was that just like Mayberry was a fictional place, the life that we lived was fictional too. We grew up thinking that we lived in a very calm, very nice, very kind place when in fact we were growing up in the middle of, um, well, in the middle of the sixties in the U S um, with all the racial unrest and, and um, gender issues and all the, the um, things that were flowing all around us. And we just were unaware that even in our own family and certainly all around us, there was a lot of tension and a lot of ugliness that, that we didn't even know about. Um, so that's kind of my story is that I, spent most of my life um, in kind of a fog, in an atmosphere where I didn't even realize what I lived in the middle of and, and what my life was, was really about uh, until well into adulthood. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, and that's powerful because, you know, we all, it's becoming way more the system that, that you know, of kind of, I don't know, of evangelicalism, capitalism, that kind of system that, Everyone's grown up in that, you know, the kind of evangelical, the religious right and it's tied to evangelical Christianity and that, that whole kind of system and structure and set of beliefs is, you know, it's becoming more and more exposed as something that's really toxic. Um, and of course, like, like you, people like you grew up in that system and didn't know any different. So, um, you know, and that's, that's really common. I think it's hard to see what's in the atmosphere all around us. It's like we're all swimming in it. And so, and, and if we've grown up in, in a way that presents this as right and this is Christian, then we just believe what we've been taught. That's right. And I've been in that situation as well. Not to the, probably not to the same extent as you, but see, I remember a time when I, basically just thought, well, I've got to believe this because this is what Christianity tells me I've got to believe. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm a Christian, so I have to believe it. And it turns out that was all quite flawed. Um, 
So where did kind of your journey into discovering discovering this and actually moving out of this kind of begin? Well, I, I wonder if, but because I'm a little more comfortable writing, I wonder if I can start my story just with a few paragraphs from one of my blog posts. Absolutely. Yeah. Because it captures in that few paragraphs the essence, and then I can go on from there. Okay. okay. Yeah. Um, from an early age, I adhered to an unspoken rule of my family, community, and church culture, though I would have assured you the rule didn't exist. And here's the rule. If it appears to be good Christian, the way we define good Christian, take it at face value. Do not look behind the facade. If accidentally you get a peek and something doesn't seem to honor Christ, don't explore it. Don't speak of it. Play whatever mind tricks you have to play to make it go away. So, as I said, I was born and raised in the Deep South. I grew up Southern Baptist in a family I believed to be healthy and happy. By the age of eight, I had absorbed a lot of religious stuff that didn't truly reflect God. And yet one month before my ninth birthday, when the Lord Jesus invited me to follow him, I knew it was him, and I said yes. It happened during the closing hymn of a, an otherwise lifeless Sunday morning worship service without either of us uttering a word. So I grew into adulthood genuinely knowing Christ and yet fooled by much that masqueraded as him, both within me and around me. I became a classic good Christian high achiever. By my mid-40s, I was married with two children. I had served in almost every volunteer leadership role open to Southern Baptist women, especially roles associated with the two um, women's organizations in the Southern Baptist Church. Mm -hmm. I spoke to a lot of women's groups and gatherings. I had published three books and 1,200 articles. My writings included a weekly newspaper column and some pieces in regional magazines. Most of the rest from books to Sunday school lessons, to missions articles, to a monthly women's column, was published by the SBC. I expected to grow old serving God that way. So I'm in my mid-40s. That's the picture of where I had been all the way up until then. And then I was asked to come on board in one of the Southern Baptist entities, the Baptist General Convention of Oklahoma. I was asked to be the women's leader, uh, which meant that I would, I worked with women's leaders in the churches, in the Southern Baptist churches all across the state of Oklahoma. And it was when I went into that position and served there seven years that I began to see what I call behind the facade. I began to see what I had been a part of and been in agreement with and and um, participated in all my life in a completely different light. Right. And what happened then? What happened? What was it that kind of caused you to see that? Well, um, I saw... Um, I saw how women were really treated. I had, I had, I, I saw how 
the attitude toward women, how, how brutal and demeaning it was. Um, I'd never, I, unlike most people who, um, go into a leadership role in a denomination, I hadn't gone to seminary. I hadn't tried to, um, have a paid position in a church. I hadn't confronted or seen any of the things that women face just trying to uh, obey God and do what God called them to do if it involves some form of leadership in the Southern Baptist Church. Um, so, so I began to see that. I began to see how, um, how race relations really looked. And in my family growing up, my father, um, a white Southern gentleman in, in very many ways, and very many faults, but he had served with a black regiment in World War II when he was just 19 years old. And he had come home with a very different, he had, he had come home as unbiased as anybody I knew. And growing up in his household, I just assumed that, that bias, racial bias in the South was a thing of the past. That's why I'm saying I was so blind. Um, I, I thought everybody believed, you know, believed and acted like my father did. Uh, toward toward black and white or or whoever, and um, hmm. just didn't pay attention to the fact that it absolutely wasn't true. Um, so there, within the denominational structure, I began to see more of how that actually worked and looked uh, still today. Um, I, I began. I saw that leaders who preached and taught about this is what the Bible said. I began to see them doing doing things. Um, that were very different. They, you know, they preach one thing on Sunday and act different the whole rest of the week. And, you know, people, people who aren't leaders and, and who claim to be Christians do the same thing. But for some reason, it hit me more when the people that I thought were the, you know, I looked up to as these, these, um, people who, who, um, gain status in the church. I think I, I expected to see really Christ-like people and, it was the opposite, actually. Um, the, the, the what I saw again and again was that their place in the system was their God. Um, that that staying in that place and maintaining that system was the most important thing uh, in many of their lives. Um, and and then the whole system of the Southern Baptist Convention was just um, rife with drama and subterfuge and just all manner of um, things that were, yeah. that were uh, you know, the opposite of what Christ teaches. Yeah. 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 Patriarchy and, you know, yeah. systemic racism and inequality and, you know, yeah. behavior um, by probably by white men, I suspect, which wasn't appropriate, yes. um, you know, abuse of power, seeking of yes. power, all that kind of thing. Um, yeah, and it's really fascinating because because it, it, your story is an example of what a lot of people have been through. Of like that they, you know, they come into the they come into kind of an evangelical church or um, um, thinking that it's all great and thinking that it's all that they care and they're compassionate and everything and then when you get behind the surface and you get get to the actual 
roots of it and what these people are really like and what they really believe and what they're really doing and why they're doing it, it's completely different. And the mask comes off. And, yes. and what it really is, is is exposed for what it is, which is not about not about equality. It's not about compassion. It's not about love. It's not about justice. It's about patriarchy, sexism, racism, um, and power. Um, yes. And that's got nothing to do with, it's got nothing to do with what Jesus was about, but it's also everything that he was preaching against. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, it's everything that he stood up to actually in his life. Um, yes. Which is ironic, but uh, yeah. Ironic and, and really, it's beyond sad. I mean, it's um, yeah, yeah, I'm so very wrong. Yeah, yeah, it's tragic, really, because so many people, because innocent people suffer as a result because they get blinded by this stuff. Um, and your and your story is an example of that, you know. And it's, mm-hmm. um, so, what was your response when you started to experience all of this and see well, this stuff? For five and a half years, I I watched it, and I I was aware from the beginning when I stepped into that building, and it literally was called, and I guess it still is called the Baptist Building. Um, but as as soon as I stepped into that building, I was aware that uh, things were wrong, and yet I still was in the middle of the fog. So, uh, so for five and a half years, I'm watching, I'm, I'm seeing, this is not right. This is, this is out of whack that, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of mentally and emotionally cataloging what is going on. And when I say cataloging, I wasn't dispassionate about it. I spent an inordinate amount of time in the bathroom um, crying um, because it, it was so, uh, I, I, it was so wrong and hard and I didn't want to be there. And I didn't know why God would have called me to be there, but I really, I, I, I was and have been in my life, the kind of person that asks God and seeks God for direction. And I had believed even the whole time that I didn't understand why I was there. I, I, there was just a knowing in me that it, it was God that had sent me there. Um, but I, it was very hard. So after five and a half years, all of a sudden, the, what I had been observing and learning about and seeing pointed at others was suddenly pointed full force at me. And some things Nothing changed, and yet everything changed. I wasn't doing anything differently than I had been doing it before. But a a few people who had not liked me from the start had suddenly found some power over me, a a way to, to... challenge me and to try to, to get me underfoot and um, to tell me that I couldn't, the things that I was doing with women that I couldn't do anymore, that I, that I could not help women to actually follow God themselves, that I, I couldn't help women to, to choose what kinds of things they wanted their women's organizations to include. But I had to instead include this certain Southern Baptist curriculum. Um, 
so so that I, I was being told and ordered to um, to do things that I knew I couldn't do and still obey God. And when I when I tried to try tried to speak to leaders that I thought would understand, that I thought would would intervene, that I thought would help um, to to clear this up, and because that they would want me to to do the right things and they would be there to help me. Um, it, uh, well, it, you know how it happens when you're in an abusive situation mm-hmm. in a church culture. Um, it, it's not at all what you what you think naively is going to happen when you bring abuse to light to yeah. other. Um, instead, um, it, it, I mean, it was everything that I've read about since um, that that other people have experienced too, where um, the the leaders cover for each other and the abuse gets worse and worse and the victim blaming um, gets worse and worse. And um, until finally I did, after a 15 months of that, I, I did leave. Um, but the whole time that I was there, again, I was still watching and observing even as I was and, and trying to, um, to speak all the way up the ladder that I could go in the Southern Baptist Convention to um, to get someone to in authority to to do the right thing, and just by the fact that I couldn't find anyone, not anyone at all, um, that that let me know that was a big eye opener uh, for me. That often in in these systems the you may think you're dealing with this person in this, you know, lowly little position, but what you're really dealing with is the whole. Mm. Um, when, when you try to say, uh, you know, I really want to do it a different way because I believe God's leading me to. You're you're really uh, the whole system really gears up and comes comes against you. Yeah, that's it. You're not fighting against fighting as an individual. You're fighting against a system. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's. It's really weird because that this is that 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 saying of Jesus or something in it's Jesus or it's in the Bible anyway. Um, our battle is not against um, flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and stuff. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. that's kind of what that is. You know? Yes, it, it <laughs> you know? really is, James. It truly is. Because um, you're not fighting against an individual; you're fighting against a system that is yes. that is rigged against you. Um, yeah. and um, rigged to behave in certain ways and um, that you just can't get past at certain levels. Um, and that's, again, it's really sad that it's like that and that it's become like that. But yes. um, it's good that you got free. Yes, um, it is. Um, and what what happened then Like when you left? I mean, what was the impact on you in terms of, just your day-to-day life and but also your faith as well well um in which one to take first in regard to my faith i i know this is very different for a lot of people but i never i i saw from the start that what was evil was not God. It was associated with God. People wanted me to believe it was God. Um, 
and I realized I had gotten all confused as to I had gotten worship of God all mixed up with loyalty to the system. But um, that's where I began to learn how to unravel that. Uh, I know a lot of people use the word deconstruct, but it's like, okay, there's a lot of things that I thought I've associated with God. I've, I've thought so, so closely connected with God that it's all been kind of intermingled. But so as far as my faith, it strengthened my faith because I think it's um, God says to Jeremiah at one point that he needs to separate out the precious from the worthless. And I think that's exactly what God was showing me. He was making it had all been mixed in together in, in terms of what I thought Christianity was in my mind and in my heart. And God was beginning. I mean, it was it was traumatic uh, and, and extremely hard. But it, it, from the beginning, as it started, as things started to come to light, I began to see, oh, well, that's evil. That's not God, you know, and, and, and this is who God really is. So I, I began to grow in my faith in that way. Um, and in, in regard to my personal life, well, it, everything continued to shift. There was no going back to who I was or you can't unsee what you're seeing, right? Mm, absolutely. And yeah, I know there's a thing. I'm reading a book now. It's not a Christian book, but it's just, it's wonderful. It's called Willful Blindness. It's been out there a while, since 2009, I think. But um, she talks about how uh, in all areas of life, how people, when we begin to see what we don't want to see, that people do choose willful blindness. But willful blindness is a choice. It's not it's not being able to unsee it. It's refusing to see it. It's telling yourself you didn't see it. Okay. And, and, and willful blindness has different consequences than night being naive. Uh, it, it's much harder to overcome if you will not see what you have seen. Um, and, and I didn't, I didn't want to be, I, I wanted to see. I kept asking God to see, but, People all around me did not want me to see, and they didn't want to see. And because of that, um, I began to lose relationships left and right. Now, initially, what I lost when I left the Southern Baptist Convention was pretty much um, not just the ministry that I had had those seven years, but all that I read to you about that happened before then. I All, all those outlets um, that I had had for speaking, for writing, uh, for ministering to women, um, it was all gone. I, I was blackballed. I was, you know, not allowed to to um, do any of that. Um, and and yet, it wasn't it wasn't just. Uh, I mean, and I say just. I mean, that's a big deal. But it it wasn't just. Uh, it, it wasn't only ministry. Um, it was also relationships that I'd had, like like a best friend that I'd had from um, elementary school. Um, when I wrote her an email and told her that I wasn't Southern Baptist anymore, from that moment, we weren't friends anymore. I mean, it wasn't my decision. Uh, I, I just, I never would have dreamed that 
whole friendships would be gone just because I wasn't in the same denomination anymore. And that's without ever our discussing why I had left or what had happened. Um, Suddenly I, so, so my whole, um, everything in my life changed and even closer in um, my, everything in my family, my relationship to my family changed. Yeah. I can imagine. One of the things I realized as I was at the Baptist convention and going through that abuse, I began to, I began to realize, Oh, this leader, this, this male, these male leaders, and uh, uh, they are, you know what, the way they're treating me, that is reminiscent of how my father treated me in this way. And these women leaders who are treating me so badly, that, oh, that is reminiscent of how my mother treated me in this way. And it was actually through that, um, that abuse at the Baptist convention that I began to see the emotional neglect and abuse in my own family that um, I'd grown up in this fog of that we had this healthy and happy and wonderful, perfect Christian family and had not seen at all how dysfunctional both of my parents were. Um, I, I believe the family story that my daddy wove because Good grief. I mean, you wouldn't believe that story. It was wonderful. Um, so, <laughs> so, um, so when I came out of the convention, I also moved back closer to my parents. And I also was in, um, I also discovered that at the same time that I hadn't seen who my parents were, I hadn't seen what my marriage really was. And because I had, I had now embarrassed my parents and my husband, because I had stood for what I believed God wanted me to do and to say and to how to treat the women in the convention. And I I wouldn't be moved on that. Um, And and I had left under duress. And, and so now I had embarrassed everybody. And, and suddenly in in their eyes, I became the scapegoat and the enemy. Um, And um, that's not, that's, you know, it, it, I, I, I've listened to part of your story, James, and I can't even imagine the abuse you went through as a child. So the, I did experience abuse as a child, but it, it wasn't, it was so covert. I didn't even know it was abuse. Um, but having experienced it full frontal as an adult, I can't even imagine how children survive that. Um, it's, it's not, um, yeah, yeah, I I can't imagine. Um, yeah, thank you for saying that about my story. Yeah. I mean, I mean, yeah, my, I guess my story was really that my, my parents weren't bad people. Mm. They weren't abusive people. They were, they were hurt people. Yes. Um, they had, we, you know, when people who you know the story, my mother had been really ill and it had affected my whole family. And yes. my dad was struggling to cope emotionally and didn't feel he had, could ask for help. And so it took its toll on both of them and they were hurt people and they hurt, ended up hurting me. And, yes. um, you know, that I don't blame them 
necessarily. Um, I had to forgive them. I had to talk about it with my dad. <laughs> yeah. Um, but um, um, yeah, um, and it, well, yeah, it was it was traumatic, and um, yeah, well, I'm sorry for what you went through, and you know, Thank I mean, you. sharing about it so honestly and courageously is um, yeah, it, it's it's really um, really powerful. Um, and I'm really glad that you've been able to share that. So thank you. You're welcome. I, um, I, uh, you know, I know my, my parents didn't set out to be abusive either, but I, I guess the word I would use for both of them is self-absorbed. Um, they, they were so, um, absorbed in their own, um, um, stuff uh, yeah. that that did become abusive in in different ways to all of their children. Um, yeah, I mean, so what has your journey been since then in terms of dealing with the trauma that you experienced, and then you know, kind of restarting your life over uh, and getting free of that? Well, for um, for a long time, I I really I looked for a place to fit into the to I guess a similar church culture to what I'd come out of. Um, I I I never did find that place. Um, I I have grown closer and closer to the Lord, and I have friends who are who love the Lord. Uh, I have friends who don't love the Lord. Um, but I, I, I've never, um, I've, I've, what it feels like to me, and this is my experience. And it feels like that, um, Christianity in the United States, I'm not sure how much that reflects other places, but it's like everybody's um, divided off into all these little plexiglass boxes. It looks like we're all, uh, you know, the Christian culture, but what it really is is all these little boxes. And unless you agree with everything that we are saying about, you know, here in our box, um, then you, you, you're not us, you're them. And especially if you are a woman and you're, you're confronting the church, um, we, we especially don't want you in our box if you might confront anything in us, because what we all want to do is confess everybody else's sins. <laughs> you know, <laughs> we want to put them and say, look at what they are doing. Um, which is exactly what the culture I grew up in, the the church in South, deep South culture, uh, going back to the Civil War. Um, they're, they're still caught in that. Let's look at what everybody else is doing. And instead of let's see where, how we're missing and misrepresenting Christ and what we need to do to follow him more fully. Um, so I just I haven't I haven't found a place in the church. And yet. um I haven't been alone. I, I don't know how to say that. There, there is, there, it, there is greater 
sense of community when now finally in my life, the relationships that I have are real instead of pretend, uh, instead of fake, you know, that it's all, it's all, we all pretend we're best friends, but you know, if you go to a different church, we're not anymore, you know, it's, um, (laughs) you know, and I love you till you embarrass me and then I hate you, you know, that, that wasn't, I mean, I had a, a lot more quote friends, but none of, so many of them were not friends. Okay. So many of yeah. them were, not, it wasn't real. So, so I, so what I have is real relationship where I have it. And that is wonderful. And I have a genuine peace in my heart, not this tearing, ripping thing where the people you that are your leaders that you associate with Christ are requiring you to do what you know in your heart is evil. And, and here's, Christ pulling you the other way, you know, and, and it's like, what do I do here? You know, so there, there's not that that's gone because um, as long as you're trying to work inside the system and, and that's where you are, you're, you're torn, you know, and, and, and you're being torn by the people who, who have decided in these abusive systems, the point is you, we're in charge. You do what we say because what we say equals what God is saying. And so you do what we say or you're you're terrible and you're not obeying God. And I mean, that's the rule. That's not God's rule, but that's the, 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 at least the rule of the system that I was in. Um, so um, it's been a journey of a lot of loss of relationships that I thought I had, but a journey of the real loss has been recognizing, no, those weren't real relationships to start with. Um, and just the sadness of watching other people maybe begin to see and then pull back because it seems too hard. Mm. Yeah, I understand that. If, if yeah. I tell you more, if I tell you all the specifics of the loss, it would sound too hard. You know, it sounds like that. Wow, that I just I wouldn't want that. I wouldn't want to go there. And yeah, I can honestly tell you that it's that the gain is more. The gain with with going with what's right and what's good and what's God is more than even the the significant losses um, that I've experienced. Hmm. Yeah. I appreciate that, but you know, it's, there's a grief, isn't there? There's a, there's a, you know, having to name that grief and to to experience yes. it and to acknowledge it and and move through it. Um, yes, I'm glad um, you said that, James. And I noticed your program um, focuses a lot on grief, and yeah. I I want to uh, tell you how much I appreciate that um, because <laughs> it's. In saying that the gain is more, I don't want to diminish the fact that grief is essential. Um, the, the grief is, and, and it's ongoing. And it's a process. And, and it, at least in my neck of the Christian woods, it's something that um, people are actually forbidden to do. Uh, you know, it's like you're, you're not being a good Christian if you don't just, you know, jump back up the day after and go on. Mm, yeah. You know, praise God. You know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah so, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so thank you for um, affirming that great, how important grief is. Oh, you're welcome. Honestly, it's, I, 
I love talking about grief. I think it's so, so important to talk about and yes. keep on talking about because uh, we need to learn to grieve well um, yes. and have rituals of grief. Um, so just um, if we kind of finish, what what's the biggest lesson that you've learned in your journey that you'd want other people to know? You know, that could go a whole lot of directions. <laughs> but uh, I'll tell you what happened to me this morning. I woke up and I was thinking about, the, you know, what, what would I want, where would I want to focus today? And I don't even know how I got here. I ended up back in a journal. This isn't published, but um, it, it felt like the right, the, it felt like the point that, that is on my heart today. That's very important. Um, so I'm going to, if it's okay, I'm going to close with a, with reading a little bit of what I wrote too. It's um, like I said, it's in my journal. It's not published anywhere, uh, but this is, I, I started this, this day's entry by saying, well, it's been a hard month emotionally. And what had happened was I had tried to speak up again about being abused by family, by church culture. I, I had spoken to three different women that I thought would hear. Um, and women who even would say that um, we need to speak up about our abuse. Um, but, but in trying to talk to them, I was only met with suspicion and silence. So here's what I wrote in, in my journal. So I've been crying out, sometimes screaming out to God and have been pondering, embracing, pondering, hating, pondering, feeling the hope in the fear of, and the impossibility in these words from Hebrews 13, 13. So let us go to him, to Jesus outside the camp, bearing his reproach. So, and I continued all this time. I've been desperately trying to avoid or to get out from under reproach. I, I haven't wanted this undeserved condemnation, defamation, disgrace, and contempt. And now I don't want to just appear to do right. I want to do what is wise, right, loving, just, by God's grace for his glory. But also I want to be seen, rightly seen by others. But the more I've tried to speak up about so much reproach coming from so many different directions, the more people disbelieve me. So now I'm, I'm, I write what I believe God is telling me to do about it. Now I need to do what I most fear and most have tried to avoid, bear the reproach. But I am not to stand alone trying to hold what crushes. Rather, I go to Jesus outside the camp. I carry the reproach to him and I remain with him. Outside the camp of my church culture, not looking to any church leader of any stripe to validate me, I tell Jesus my story, or rather just bring it to him who knows. And I recognize that the reproach I bring to him is not mine, but his. The reproaches have come because I chose to do my father's will above what people wanted. When I bring this reproach, his reproach to him and remain with him outside the camp, no longer trying to defend myself, then Jesus can do with his reproach what he will. 
and he can give me grace to respond to it rightly and wisely. Outside the camp with Jesus, only there will I find others exiled for the same reason. Contrary to all experiences, there I find the church. Love that. Love that. Thank you. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Um, and where can people connect with you and, and your work? Um, the best place is at my website, which is keytruths.com, K-E-Y-T-R-U-T-H-S, keytruths with an S, dot com. Um, I'm also on Twitter and Facebook and um, keytruths, both places. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Deborah. Um, I appreciate you coming on and sharing your story so courageously. Um, and I hope that's given some inspiration to others as well and some solidarity. (laughs) Oh, you're welcome. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and, um, thanks for listening, everybody.